Chapter 10. Beware of one-sided truth. There are few things more dangerous or more likely to lead into open error. Be careful, for instance, of misunderstanding what the Scripture says about the old self and the new self, the flesh and the spirit, and in this way, avoiding your own personal responsibility for all you say and do. This misunderstanding also sets aside the necessity for the blood of Christ, which is needed daily for our whole person, and the power of the Spirit, which is needed constantly for our whole being as long as we live. Our Lord and His apostles use many pictures to show the greatness of the change produced by being born again. They speak of this change as being an actual indwelling of Christ Himself. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, Ephesians 3.17. But this living and indwelling of Christ does not make us the same as Christ, or Christ the same as us, nor does it make the blood and the Spirit less necessary. It does not make Christ responsible for our sins, nor does it make us sinless. It does not lead us to say, you do not need to care about what you do, because Christ dwells in you, and everything you do is His doing. Again, on the other hand, Scripture speaks of our being in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 and 1 Corinthians 1.30. But our being in Christ does not mean that we, that is, our whole self, body, soul, and spirit, are actually put into Christ as water is put into a vessel. This would destroy the meaning, and besides, it would either make us sinless, or it would make Christ the author of our sins, and the doer of all that we do. These pictures do mean that there is such a wonderful nearness between Christ and us, such a living connection, that we receive His power and fullness. But they do not mean that we and Christ are no longer two persons, but one, no longer two bodies, but one, no longer two souls, but one. Again, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36.26 This does not mean that an actual stone, whether of granite or marble, is taken out of us, and an actual piece of flesh, created in heaven, is inserted instead. Nor does it mean that the entirety of our old nature is taken out of us all at once, leaving no part behind, and that a complete new nature is substituted, so that there will be absolutely nothing in us but what is perfect and divine. If this were the meaning of the picture, then every conversion would mark a passing into instantaneous perfection, with no fragment of the old nature being left behind, and no feature of the new nature being left unperfected or undeveloped. So, there could be no conflict, no difficulty, no decline, 
no possibility of backsliding. The change drawn up before us this way is certainly a very great one, but it cannot mean the changing of one person into another, nor the transformation of a man into an angel. Again, our Lord says to Nicodemus, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3.3 Nicodemus took him literally, and so destroyed the whole meaning of this divine symbol. Those in our day who maintain that a new created thing is actually and literally dropped into us at conversion, which they call the new man, are saying exactly what Nicodemus said. How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? John 3.4 The new birth does not mean a new person. Christ did not mean that Nicodemus was no longer to be Nicodemus, or that Peter was no longer to be Peter after conversion. He meant that such a spiritual work was to take place that it would change their whole spiritual nature and character while leaving them still Nicodemus and Peter, with all their original and proper personalities and humanities. Our Lord does not say, unless part of one is born again, but unless one is born again. The change may not be perfect at first, but it affects the whole person, so that he cannot say of himself, a part of me is born again and a part of me is not born again, but I am born again. Connected with this, there are the statements regarding the new creature. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, or there is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It is not that a new creature has been put into a man like new wine into old vessels, but the whole man is the new creature and is seen this way by God from the day of his being born again. The picture does not imply that the transformation is perfect and complete from the outset, but it assures us beyond a doubt that it will one day be all that it symbolizes. It is the same with regard to the flesh and the spirit, the old man and the new. The flesh is the man, call him Peter or Paul, who still carries the remnants of his former self. The spirit is the same man, it may be Peter or Paul, with the new life unfolding itself within him. The picture names two men, the old and the new, but we are not like Nicodemus, to take the words in a physical or ultra-literal sense. For after all, there is only one man the whole time. For as the apostle says, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2, 19-20 He does not say here, My old self is dead, but I myself am dead. Not, My old self is crucified, but 
I myself am crucified. And the same person, I myself, who is dead and crucified, still lives. He does not say, one section of me is dead and another is living, but I myself am dead and I myself am living. I, the same person, am both a dead and a living man. This is the real meaning of the picture. This conflict, not between two persons, but between two parts or conditions of one person, is the one the apostle brings out in the seventh chapter of Romans. I was once alive. I died. I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. What I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. The willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. The good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find, then, the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Romans 7, 9-24 It is Paul himself, speaking for himself, speaking as one delighting in the law of God, who speaks these strange words, these seeming contradictions. It is not a perfect part of Paul fighting against an imperfect part of Paul, but it is Paul himself fighting against Paul himself. The one Paul, the one person, has two conflicting elements within him, each striving for mastery. Our inner man, he says, is being renewed day by day, 2 Corinthians 4.16. This process of daily renewal goes on within him. The light and the darkness struggle together, but the light conquers and shines more and more until the perfect day. Be especially careful of this one-sidedness in everything connected with Christ himself. Faith connects us with the person of Christ in all its parts and aspects. It connects us with the whole work of Christ, from the cradle to the throne, from Bethlehem to the heaven of heavens. It connects us with his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his glory. Out of all these, our faith draws life and strength. Life in a crucified Christ, life in a risen Christ, life in a glorified Christ. This is the heritage of faith. Out of death, the death on that cross where he was crucified through weakness, comes life and power to us. And down from the throne on which he now sits, the possessor and dispenser of the promised spirit, these same blessings come. In the cross is power. In the resurrection is power. In the throne of glory is power. It is as the glorified Christ, John 7, 39, 
that he has received for us the Spirit with all his gifts. Psalm 68.18 and Ephesians 4.7-13 It is with the glorified Christ that we are linked by faith for blessing, for power, for life, for comfort. Because I live, you will live also. John 14, 19.